Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 5, verse 5, we're going to read from. It says this, They went across the lake, that's Jesus and his disciples, to the region of the Gerasenes, or the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat at the other side, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he'd often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance he ran And fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice. What do you want with me? Jesus son of the most high God. In God's name don't torture me. For Jesus had said this to him already. Come out of this man you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him. To the man he said what is your name? The man replied my name is Legion. He replied for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. Jesus with his authority gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those ten in the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. He's only just got there. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, he'd been told to leave. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell In the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Amen. Amen. A lot of scripture to read there. But I want to draw upon this story today. And you don't probably hear many people preach on uh, people being demon possessed. And a lot of people want to avoid this subject. Well, I'm not going to really preach on someone being demon possessed and talk about deliverance or anything like that. But what I want to talk about this morning is something in this story that I see that I think will help you or people here today who may may have gone through some certain things in their life that is a little similar to this story. 
This, as you know, Jesus has just crossed the lake. He's, I recently I preached on the storm. He crossed the lake with the storm and he gets to the other side to this region of the Gerasenes. It's called the Decapolis area. There's the Decapolis is 10 cities effectively. And these 10 cities that we don't know which one specifically he's from, but he, he, he's gone up. He's ended up through his life. This, this man who we know, we don't, know his name, but we know that he's ended up in the hills, it says, amongst the tombs. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty rough. This guy has lived, there's ten cities down in the bottom, and now this man finds himself right up in the hills on his own. All society's at the bottom. He now finds himself at the top of this mountain in what's called the, the hills, and it says he cries out day and night. And the people, he says before he went up there, he says the people chained him hand and foot, but the, the power of the demonic, was it, it made him able to break out of these chains. So then he just went up into the hills. They couldn't control him. And this man who, how many of you know that Jesus loves him just the same as the people in the city? Just because he's hanging around near the tombs, he's crying out, he has this strength, he's filled with demons. Jesus still loves him. In fact, Jesus crosses this lake. If any of us think that Jesus knows the future, he knows what's going to happen. He knows he's crossing the lake just for this one man. There's ten cities. However, he's crossing this lake with a storm for one man who is bound by chains, who is broken inside, who is consumed by the demonic. And Jesus is pursuing him. I don't know about you today. You might think, ah, Jesus is only interested in the big crowd, the cities. No, he's interested in the person who is broken, who is bound by chains, who thinks that there's no life left for me. And I I just want to bring this story today because I think that this man must have felt worthless. He must have felt there's nothing left for me in life. Because I've been trying to control. No one understands me. They don't understand my position. They try to chain me. I break free. Now I'm up in these in this place. And I cry out day and night. And I could imagine that the people in the city, they hear these cries every single night. And they're thinking, it's that man again. I wish he'd be quiet. We couldn't control him. I'm glad he's staying up in the hills out of the way. And society had shunned him off. The title of my message today is this, Rejection, Reflection. Rejection, Reflection. This man, I believe, was rejected by many people. He might have been demon possessed, but he was now rejected. And I think that so many of us, you might not be a man who is demon possessed or a woman who is demon possessed, but you, in some part of your life, you've been rejected. You have been rejected by someone and it has hurt you so much that you find yourself, it says this man went into solitary areas. Some of us find ourselves when we've been rejected, we feel worthless, so we find that we run to the places where we're on our own. We don't want to, we don't feel this sense of worth anymore because everything's been stripped away. They say that Even for someone to be in solitary confinement is the worst thing you could ever experience. Worse than 
being tortured, physically tortured, to be on your own. And this man was going through this solitary confinement. And I think it paints a picture for those of us who feel like we've been rejected and there's people in our lives who once loved us, we had a life and now we look and they, we can't even step back in the city. We can't go back down the hill out of these tombs because we just think it's safer to stay out the way. Number one today is this. You are worth more than you know. You are worth more than you know. It says, this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore. In other words, the city couldn't control him. They didn't know how to control this problem. So they disregarded him. He once lived in this place and now he's disregarded. No one wants to know him anymore. And I believe that some of us here today, we feel that we're worthless. We don't realize how much worth we have. Because of what people have said to us. What people have done to us. God has not created you to live in solitary confinement. He's not created you to live like this. His desire was not for this man on this hill to live like this. His desire for you today is not to be confined in your limitations of where someone's put you just by their words. Just by the things that they've done and said to you that's made you feel rejected. We all know what it's like to be ill. Many of you may be wondering where Emma is today. The whole family's been ill through the week. Emma is just, she's just really bad this morning, temperature. And she stayed at home with the kids, so please pray for them. And I'm just hoping I'm not going to get it. I, I rocked up this morning with a sore throat. I, I pray that God holds it away from me. I've got so much to do, so please pray for us as a family. But we know what it's like to be ill, don't we? And it's hard. And we pray and we ask God to heal us. We've heard some healing testimonies. But let me tell you this. When your spirit is crushed, when everything in life, it's not your painful leg. So many of us can put it with a pain in the leg. I've got pains you don't know about, but I still pray for the sick. I've got things, you're saying, well, you see all these spectacular things. This God hasn't healed me of certain things. But I still persist. And we see God heal. But let me tell you this, when you're crushed inside like this man was, when he was put into this solitary confinement place, it's worse than any illness. Proverbs 18 verse 14 says, The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear? Maybe you feel like your worth in life's been robbed. You feel like there's someone's hurt you and rejected you. And you cry out like this, this man day and night. You cry out to God saying, Lord, I don't see a future. I see these people down in the cities enjoying themselves. And I don't know if I see a future for me because I'm just, I'm going to stay in this place I've created for myself. I don't know what these tombs were, but it sounds like there's probably a lot of dead people around. Jesus wants to give life. Life abundantly. He doesn't want you to live amongst the dead and just looking at your problems. He wants to give you life and life abundantly. Psalm 34 verse 17 to 20 says this. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. 
Listen to this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Hallelujah. There is, there is a way. There's a chance. The psalmist wrote it. He says, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from him all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. The psalmist knew that even a crushed spirit that who can bear, as we've just read in Proverbs, that there is hope for the one who is crushed inside. If you feel crushed, read Psalm 34. However rejected you feel today, wherever you've put yourself in these solitary places, you're worth more than you know. Because God looks at you in a completely different way to the people who've rejected you. The next thing about this is, he says to him, he says to the man, he says, what's your name? When someone's demon possessed and the son of God comes and asks this question, the man can't respond, but the demons do. Because they understand the authority of Jesus. And they respond, they say, legion, because we are many. Let me tell you, without going into any detail, I've seen the demonic. I've seen and prayed for people demon-possessed with many demons. I've seen the power of Jesus' name to deliver people. The more and more I saw this, this specific time is the more and more it made me run to Jesus because I knew that he had the power. His name had authority over darkness. Hallelujah. We don't give them credit. But they want to speak. They want to tell you who they are. And they said, Legion. But let me tell you this. I believe that that man began to live under the label. He began to live under the label that Legion, we are many. You've got big problems, big issues. Jesus can't deal with you anymore. Nothing's going to help you. In fact, you've got more problems than it's worth. Don't try to think about an escape plan. Because we're Legion. You're Legion. And it's many. Many problems. But Jesus comes over this lake through the storm looking for this man because he knows he's got some good news. He knows he's got the news for this man that you can be set free. Hallelujah. I don't know whether you're living under even the people who've rejected you said some things to you. They accuse you. Revelation says that he, that, that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Some people are the same sometimes. They've accused you and put you into places, rejected you. They say nasty things. They've created a label and you live under that label in your solitary confinement. You live under this label that you're nothing. You live under this label that you have no hope in life. Jesus knew that his name wasn't Legion. He said, what's your name? He wasn't asking the man. He was asking the demon. Or demons. He knew they had hope. I'm not going to read it now. But if you look in Ephesians 1. 3 to 14. This is what the labels are on your life. This is what God says on the believer. This is what Jesus says. Not the enemy. He says this. You are blessed. You are chosen. You are loved. Predestined. Adopted. Redeemed and forgiven. Lavished with grace, included in Christ, sealed with the Spirit, and guaranteed an inheritance. Hallelujah! Come on! 
That's what he says over your life. That's the label. He doesn't say legion for we are many. He says I'm going to give you many blessings. That's 11 I've just read and I bet there's more. If you're troubled, if you think that the label that you've got from someone who's rejected you that you're living under, go home today and if it's anything other than just listening to me speak, read Ephesians 1. Remind yourself, Jesus might not be coming over some lake to you today, but you read this word. Because his word is like a double-edged sword. Satan tempted Jesus in the desert. He came to Jesus in the desert, didn't he? When Jesus was fasting, he was trying to live this, he was trying to, to, to get closer to the Father and just have this communion with the Father in the desert. When he's doing this, what does Satan say? He says, if you are the Son of God, if you are, throw yourself down. In other words, he tries to, he tries to question Jesus' label. Jesus knows by his, the Spirit in him, he knows who he is. He's, he knows he is the son of God. But Satan still tries to come, whisper into his ear and say, are you really this person? Let me tell you this. If you read Ephesians 1, if you read Ephesians 1 tomorrow, you're going to have to read it again because sometimes the enemy will try to whisper and rob it from you again. He tries to tell you you're nothing. He tries to tell you you've got no hope. Live under the label that you once had because that's all you deserve. But God says, remind yourself of the word. There's a different label. Number two is this. You're not the only one. You're not the only person who's been rejected. So many of us, when we feel rejected by someone, we think and the enemy wants us to think that we are all on our own. That no one else is experiencing this. That no one else has gone through this. That we are trying to do this battle on our own. But many of us have faced rejection. We read earlier in verse 16. He said, those who had seen the man set free. This is when Jesus comes in. And he sets him free. He says, those who had seen the man set free told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. It sounds like they're just as bothered about the pigs as the man. The pigs get a mention. Do you know this man's just been rescued? He's been crying out for every night and day. They've heard him cry, a human being. But yet they tell him about the pigs as well. You know, the man's set free, but the pigs, you know, they've had a bit of a rough time as well. But then he says this, verse 17. The people began to plead Jesus to leave their region. All this time, this man has been rejected from society because they cannot control or understand his, where he's at. Now he's been set free. They don't have this alarm clock going off every night of him crying out and waking them up. And this problematic man. Yeah, they've had 2,000 of their pigs dead. But as soon as they see what's happened to this man, they don't rejoice and say, Amazing! Who are you, Jesus? Who are you? 
Tell us about this. This is amazing. We don't care about the pigs. Look at this. This is a miracle. We've been hearing them screaming every night. The first thing they say is, get out to Jesus. Now the man has felt rejection. He comes and tells his story about his saviour Jesus. He comes down and says, look, my saviour Jesus has just done this for me. And they say, we're not interested. We don't want you and neither do we want your saviour. Go back. Jesus knew what it was to be rejected in this story as well. He'd just done an amazing thing, but yet he was rejected. Maybe Jesus has changed your life. Maybe Jesus has done something in your life and you, you feel like you've, you've had an amazing experience. God's done something special and you want to just, you want to take Jesus back down to the city. You want to show him off and you want to say, look, this is the one who's changed me. Look, you know the one I've been crying out? Look, I don't cry anymore. I don't shout. I don't do some of these nasty things you used to know that you couldn't control and the things you didn't like about me. I don't do these things anymore. Look, I've just met this man. He's called Jesus. He's just come through the storm. He's just met me. And he set me free and I'm changed. And by the way, it was demons. That's what the issue was. But he set me free from this. But then when he looks at all these people and they say, go back, we don't want you or your Jesus. Some of us today know what it's like. We've got people, loved ones, people who we know, we think, I want to just tell them now what God's done for me. They might have rejected me. They may understand now. But you show them Jesus and they still don't want you or Jesus. Double rejection. Jesus knows what it's like. He understands what it's like to be rejected. He's getting back in the boat. Remember this. Jesus in this story suffered a bit of rejection. I don't know about you, but if we'd just seen this amazing miracle happen, all this happens, this scene, you'd be a little bit, a little bit upset if the city said to you, get back out of here, we don't want you. But let me tell you this. That was just a taste of rejection for Jesus. Jesus was rejected more than we'll ever know. He was rejected by you and me. Jesus knew that's just a taste of what's to come. Isaiah 53 verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Isaiah 53, if you don't know, is a prophecy of what Jesus, who Jesus would be when he come to this earth, that he would be rejected by men and he would suffer. You read Isaiah 53 and you'll see the prophecy of who was to come. Let me tell you this. I believe this didn't happen, but I believe just put into perspective for one moment. We know that Jesus has been with the Father since the very beginning. And he's in heaven. And he looks down on humanity that's broken. And his Father says this to him. He says, I want you to go, and I want you to go down to this earth. I want you to go to a place where there's going to be rejection. Where they're not going to want you. Just a few weeks ago, we like watching, we like watching a good true story. 
Me and Emma, we like to watch films, true stories. I never like the fake stuff. I just like something that I know might have happened. And we sat down to watch this movie. And in this movie, it was about someone who was stranded in the middle of an ocean with his boat. He'd gone out on a sailing trip and he ended up being stranded and he had to survive and go through all these motions of survival. And it was this well-known character in this movie. And we started watching it and I don't know about you, but have you ever watched these films when you realize, I read the thing and I thought, this sounds good. And then I got into it about an hour into it and realized I'd not heard one person say one word because he's in the middle of the sea. These films are a bit tiresome, aren't they? I sat there and said, Emma, no one spoke. Do you want to have a chat? Because this guy is trying to survive, but there's no dialogue. I mean, I like a true story, but I like a bit of dialogue as well. And I sat there and I said this, and I just joked to her, I said, when they handed in the script in Hollywood and said, do you want to do this film? We'll give you X million pounds. He must have thought, we're here. I don't have to say a word. I don't have to learn any lines. They handed the script. And he says, wow, that's a good, that's a good deal. I just get to swim in the sea for an hour and a half. Don't say a word. You know, we were getting bored. I felt like I'd been on the boat for about 10 years and I'd only sat for an hour and 30 minutes. But it's true. When you, when you see people, they get handed the scripts in Hollywood. They get handed the scripts for the films. They said, this is what you're going to have to do. This is what you're going to have to say if you want to be part of this film. This is what you'll do. This is the part. You need to say this and this is going to happen to you in the film. Halfway through, you might get cut off or this might happen. God the Father in heaven said to Jesus, if you go to earth, this is the script. This is the script. It's written in Isaiah 53. It's prophesied already that you will be brutally killed. They're going to reject you. They're not going to love you or like you. They're going to hit you. This is the script, son. This is the script for you to fulfill. Do you want to take it? And let me tell you what Jesus did. He took it from his father. He took the script. He said, I'll gladly do it. For the joy set before him, he endured this cross, scorning its shame. He took the script and he knew what was coming to him. He knew that rejection was going to hit him straight in the face. John 15, Jesus said to his disciples just before he went, he says, if the world hits you, keep it in mind that it hit me first. If the world rejects you, keep in mind that it rejected him first. Remember, he has gone through, he has suffered the most rejection ever known to man. And he didn't need to do it. He didn't need to come. He wanted to come. He wanted to come. Jesus says in that, when he says to his disciples, says, keep in mind. You've got to remind yourself. If people reject you, he says, keep in mind. I've had it as well. I've suffered it just the same to death. What's worse about this story is what I said a moment ago when we see that these people, they look and they say, these, these pigs as well, they tell the story. These people put the pigs at the same value as the man. 
they look and say, they tell the story and say, this is what's happened. And the pigs as well, look, they're dead. And then they say, get out. And they put value on this man as like a pig. Less than. And some of the people who may have rejected you, see it in the story. See what Jesus is trying to reveal, I believe, in this. Is that the, when they go back down, some of the people who want to, you think want to see your restoration, they want to see you come back and they want to see you restored from this, this failure or things that's gone wrong in your life. They actually put others before you. They put others before you. They look at others and you look at yourself and think, how can they do that? How can they do this? Look at me, I'm changed. But why is it? Why is it that they value the pigs more than me? Some of us, it's like a double rejection. You've just had it and now you feel it again. But let me tell you this. You say, Jesus, you've not... You may have been killed, but you've not been put as valued like this. Jesus stood before the people, the crowds of people. And there was him and Barabbas. And they were called at that Passover time to choose the crowd, to choose between Jesus or Barabbas to go to the cross and be crucified. How many of you know the outcome that the crowd shouted, Barabbas! Barabbas. They valued Jesus less than this man. They'd rejected him already, but now they were doing it even more. Mark 15, 7 says this, Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. This is the man who they valued Jesus against. They were looking at the scales. They were saying, no, we want Barabbas. Jesus knew what it was to feel just as that man did when they valued the pigs more. Because he stood there and looked at the crowds, mocking and saying, we want Barabbas, we don't value you. I want to tell you that you may feel rejected, you may feel that you've had the worst, you're not the only one. Jesus knows how you feel. Jesus knows how you feel in your heart. And there is a way forward. Amen? Amen. Number three is this. Your story is your glory. Your story is your glory. So many of us, I've gone through some suffering sometimes. I've gone through some things in my life and I don't understand why God allowed them to happen. But my story today in some of these areas is the glory of God. We read it earlier in Mark 5. It says this, as Jesus was now getting into the boat, he's just been told to clear off by this this angry mob. He says, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. He says, I want to come with you, Jesus. These guys, I don't like them here. They're not very nice. I mean, I've, I come down, I thought they'd be welcoming, but this is not good. Can I come on the boat with you? It's so much better at the other side of the lake. And he begs Jesus. He doesn't just say, can I get in the boat? He says, please let me in. Can you imagine? Jesus must have been pushing him out saying, no. Not just going, no, please, you can't come. He'd have pushed him out. No. 
He begs him. But this is what Jesus says to him. He says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Now let me ask you one question. What would go through your mind if Jesus asked you that question? You've just left an angry mob who's seen 2,000 of their pigs killed. They don't like you. They think you're as valuable as a pig or less. And they've told you and Jesus to clear off. What would you do? What would you think? Would you think, Jesus, this is not... You must be crazy. These people don't like me. They don't want us. They don't want you. They don't like this. Let me tell you what Jesus saw. He says, go home. To your own people. He says go back to those that have rejected you. Because your story is going to change other people. Your story is going to change other people. Your story you have of rejection. The story you've had where people have hurt you. Where things have been robbed in your life. And you look at these people and you think I cannot give. I cannot. I do not have the strength to go back. You can only do it by his spirit. But you can walk back to the people who hate you, who don't like you, who say nasty things. I don't know about you, but if this guy, he could have jumped in the boat and said, no, I'm coming with you. But he didn't. He listened to Jesus. And he turned around and went. Hallelujah. You have to love people who've rejected you. You need to tell them your story. And if they don't listen, if they will never listen, you don't give up. Never give up on those that have rejected you. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Tell them how much he's done. I want to tell you this before Jesus came to earth and as I said earlier, he looks at the script and he reads Isaiah 53 and he knows the scriptures. He knows what he's got to fulfill. He knows the script. He knows that he's got to fulfill this this thing that will crush him and reject him. He knows he's stepping into a scene that is terrible. Do you know what he did know? The same people who he would go to who rejected him. He also knew this scripture from Psalm 118. What David wrote. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. You see, when he looks at the scripture and he knows what he's got to do, he knows that he's been rejected. He says, I can see this looks like a terrible scene. This looks terrible what I need to do. In fact, he says, doesn't he, in the garden, if this cup could be taken from me. He knows how terrible it is. But he reads, he knows the psalm, he knows the scriptures. He knows that he will be the one that is rejected, but he will be the chief cornerstone. From what he will do, he will be the cornerstone. 
This is the day the Lord has made. He knew that he had made every day and he knew there was a greater outcome. If only would go to the ones who reject him. And just as he said to this man, the demon possessed man, who's now set free, he says, go back. In other words, do you realize the glory that you've got now? Your story is going to change others. And you're going to, it's going to increase. It's not just going to be you. If you come on the boat with me, you're going to miss opportunities. I want to tell you, you might not be getting through to some people in your life. You might be going back and knocking on some of the doors in the village he was in like he was. And people are not listening to you. People don't want you. They don't want to hear what you have to say. But let me tell you this. Where he was from was one village. One place where these these pigs died. I want to tell you that in that region it was the Decapolis. There were ten cities. Ten cities. That he went back to. Not just his village. Ten cities. The Decapolis region. You see God. Sent his son. He knows for a greater vision. When Abraham saw the vision. He knew there was something great. And he knew when he sent him back. He thought I know you've just seen this group of people. Who's not happy with you. But I'm going to tell you. Son you go back. Because there's ten cities to change. Not one. Not the little group that you've just seen who are, uh, you know, they're flapping over their pigs. Don't go back to them. Go and see all the ten cities of the Decapolis and you'll see change. Your story will be your glory. I believe when we talk about sowing in tenfold, we sow and we reap tenfold. I believe that's what he did. He says, sow your life. Go back to where you don't think people want you. Sow your life and you'll reap tenfold. You'll reap ten cities' attention. You'll reap ten cities' attention of the Decapolis region. Do you realize I've just come, I bet he said, over this lake. I've come for you, but not to take you away. I've come because I want to reach ten cities. Go and tell them your story. Tell them how much I've done for you. Hallelujah. So come to a close, if the team want to be ready, just to come up. I want to read a quote to you. It says this, every time I thought I was being rejected from something good, I was actually being redirected to something better. Let me tell you that again. Someone quotes, every time I thought I was being rejected from something good, I was actually being redirected to something better. I believe that Jesus today, you look, don't look at your life today. If there's one thing I want you to leave here today is if you feel that people don't understand you, you felt like you've been pushed into a corner, you felt like you're in solitary confinement, you feel like you're limited, you feel like there's no hope because you've lived under the label of this. I want to tell you that Jesus says to you today, you're not on your own. I understand you. I know what it feels like. But I'm going to tell you what's going on in your life is going to reach far more people than the ones you love. The closest ones you love. I believe there's people in here today who've gone through so many things. But God is going to break out and you're going to reach more than what you think. If you sow your life into him, you'll reap tenfold. You'll reach ten cities. You'll go around the world if you want to. 
you'll reach many people. Or you can just jump in the boat and say, no, Jesus, I'm coming back with you and I'm just going to live in the, in the presence of God and just never do a thing. I'm not going to face the issues. What Jesus was trying to do is teach him to say, listen, you need to face up to some issues sometimes. I have to do it. I'm going to be doing it soon. In fact, when I go back over this water, I'm heading to, a, to something that you'd never like to know. I'm going to head to my death and be rejected to the full. But I know that when I do it, it will reap many. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans 8:28 says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. You might be saying, I don't know whether these things I'm going through and how I feel is God's plan. But Romans 8.28 says, all things work together. He's working it all together because he knows that your story will bring glory. Hallelujah. He is a restorer. He is the one who restores us. Amen. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.